0: I think it's good for every Christian to go to at least two or three funerals every year. I'm serious. That ought to be part of your spiritual discipline. Because we're prone to wander, we get a little full of ourselves, and we need to be reminded of what matters most.
1: Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Loretz. As you take a quick overview of your life, what matters most to you? What's the most important thing in your life right now? Might be a good time for all of us to make that assessment. Let's see what light Colossians chapter 1 can shine on it for us. Well, last week we began a new series called His Church, and today is the second half of Crawford's message asking that question, what matters most? We're finding great challenge and encouragement from the Apostle Paul on living out the will of God internally and externally. If you're new to us, the messages featured on Living a Legacy come from Crawford Shears as Senior Pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Crawford recently retired from the church and now heads Beyond Our Generation, a spiritual leadership mentoring ministry. Well, let's get right to today's message. Again, our text is Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy.
0: Wherever God calls someone to do something and they yield to do it, God promises his very nature, his very presence, his very resources with them. I'll just pick on Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, he had the task of leading two and a half million Israelites into the the land of Canaan. Moses had died. He's intimidated by all this stuff. And and God says to Joshua, God himself said to Joshua, Joshua, hold on, man. You actually think I'm going to tell you to do something and I give you what you need to do it? Who's talking to you and so he says just as I was with Moses I will be with you the manifest presence of God is always with those who do his will why because because his will is about his statement personalized through your life during your moment in history That's why the will of God is important. So, our daily concourse of life is marked by supernatural resources. But this this expression, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, it also implies not only do we have his resources, but we have his nature. Worthy of the weight of God, we have his nature. The nature of God, God's nature. God's nature is expressed in and through our lives. It's not just his resources, but his character. It's not just what he has, but who he is. You see, this is is all a part of a journey. It says our lives reflect both his holiness and his power. Both his power and his holiness. See, so on your way to doing something, you're becoming something. The will of God is not just about us being more effective at what we were wired to do and this kind of thing and look how all No, 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 no. The will of God, you cannot separate his effectiveness through your life and the character that he wants to develop in you. You can't do it. And yet we try it all the time. This is the reason why I tell younger leaders all the time, all the time, all the time, yes, know your gifts. Yes, it's important. Know your background. Know, know your motivated, applied patterns and all that kind of stuff. Know it, know it, know it, know it. Now put it aside for a second, buddy. Because let me tell you something. Over the course of your life, you'll never accomplish more than who you are. It is who you are that gives weight and integrity to what you do. So when you focus on the will of God, of necessity, you set yourself up for transformation. Because he's gonna make me into what he wants me to be. So when we talk about this one product being godly character, but it's all predicated, number one, you can forget that. If you don't wanna do what he tells you to do, you, you can't pick and choose. This all stems from yieldedness and surrender to his will. Paul became one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, not because he picked and chose, but because he completely surrendered and yielded. So what will happen when your life is the expression of the will of God? Paul says, I promise you, you're going to see the emergence of godly character. Secondly, I'm praying for you. Paffrist told me, man, my heart just burned with joy. And I'm praying for you that you might be filled with a knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Because it's gonna produce in you godly character so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's gonna produce in you supernatural resilience. Paul was not Pollyanna. Paul, you know, y'all heard me say this here and I, I sound like an old fuddy-duddy, but you know, some of the Christianity and theology here in the Western world in the United States is, is laced with stupidity. <laughs> it's just laced with idiocy. It's branded with a nauseating sense of our own carnality. For example, we, you know, we, we, we come up with these theological constructs and sayings and little cute little s- silly stuff that, you know, uh, you know, God doesn't want you to suffer, He doesn't want you to go through a hard time. Just claim this stuff; it doesn't exist, it does not there. And if you're in the will of God, God's gonna, you know, cause everything to work out fine. Jesus was in God's will and got crucified. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, look look. I was, I was born in New Jersey. Maybe I don't know something that they know. Paul was doing the will of God and got his head cut off. Peter was doing the will of God and he got crucified upside down. And I love what Paul says here. The will of God is not a means for us to escape the inevitability of suffering. Now I know it's not PC and it's not happy talk here. The truth of the matter is whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, if you live long enough, every last one of us is gonna face horrible, catastrophic stuff that take place in our lives what's your choice spend a small fortune laying on somebody's couch take a bag full of opioids snort it up your nose, inject it in your veins smoke it I mean what's your choice how are you going to deal with that what Paul says is this there's a certain supernatural defiance about people who are submitted to the will of God. Where do you get that from? Well, look, look, here's the next dominant expression. He says, again, going back to being filled with the knowledge as well, so being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Paul presupposes it's gonna be hard times. Issues, there's gonna be pressure, there's gonna be problems, all right? Your loved ones are gonna die. You're gonna get a bad report. Things are gonna happen you don't like, but the will of God brings the presence and the person of God to give you the supernatural resilience to keep moving to overcome the resistance. That's what he does. I I talked to Tony Evans the other night. If you know what that man has been through, you say to yourself, how in the world do you get up to preach multiple services? His niece, four daughters, in fact their youngest daughter, Niece's youngest daughter was the little girl, and if you saw the movie War Room, that was the little girl in, in, in the movie. His niece went, her, went to bed, never woke up, died suddenly. Tony's sister dies. His brother dies. His father dies. Then his bride that he's been married to for almost 50 years dies. So I talked to him the other night. I said, Man, Tony, how you doing, buddy? He said, Crawford, this is the deepest I've had to go with my Savior. And yet you didn't hear despair from him. There was pain, but there was strength. How could a guy like Tony Dungy, I'll never forget this, some years ago, you know, his, his son uh, had a son that committed suicide. And Tony and Lauren are great followers of Jesus, and I will never forget this, he was coming out of church, he was broadcasting on the news there, he was coming out of church at his son's funeral, and his half brain reporter sticks a microphone in his face and asks him, well, how you feeling? What kind of, Tony said, you know, God is good in the good times. And yes, God is good in the bad times. We're trusting in the goodness of God. Where did he get that from? From the will of God. There's a supernatural resilience in fact, this is an interesting Greek construct here. He says, strengthen with all power. It's the idea of, of, of might for might. That's where I get overcoming resistance. Overcoming resistance. You know, the, the devil's not gonna let us sit back while we do the will of God. Um, 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 the, 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 we have what we need to overcome whatever's coming up against us. Whatever stands in our way, we, we'll have to give way. What attacks us will, will be defeated. But he also provide, produces endurance. How do you keep going? You draw from that strength. Well, how do you have that strength? God says, because you're doing what I told you to do. I can't make it. Yes, you're gonna make it. Why? you're doing what I told you to do. I'm not gonna leave you. It's hard, yes. It hurts, I know, but I'm with you. So, what happens when we're filled with the will of God? When we make the decision that God, I don't wanna waste another day of my life, I'm all in. God says, okay, here's the deal. You gotta have godly character on steroids. Secondly, I'm gonna give you supernatural resilience. But then he says, thirdly, (laughs) what will happen to you is that you will be filled with eternal gratitude. I used to wonder why, why did he get into talking about our salvation in verses 12 through 14 when he's talking about something internal in terms of our walk and the strength that we need, but then he puts it up to gratitude, and I said, ah, it's obvious. It's obvious. The ultimate expression of the will of God, the ultimate expression of God's will, ultimate expression of God's will, is the plan of salvation. That's the ultimate expression of his will. It's the ultimate revelation of who God is. It's the ultimate experience that we have here. It's, it's, It's where all of human history has moved toward. It anchors everything. So Paul is saying, look, if everything else is taken away from you, this is what can't be taken away from you. And the more you walk in the will of God, the more you revel in and, 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 and exalt in and worship the God of the universe for this breathtaking salvation and gift that he's given to us. So what, what are we eternally grateful for? What are we eternally grateful for? And he lists three biggies. Number one, we're eternally grateful for our inheritance. Verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Do you know what you have now that you have him? When you're filled with the knowledge of his will, you you focus on what's most important. You have an inheritance Forever that cannot be shaken. And not only that, he says he's qualified for us for that. Well, negatively, we were not qualified. He himself qualified us for that inheritance. You will sit at the the table with him. You'll be with him forever in heaven. No one can take your salvation away from you. And by the way, by the way, you have access to the Father right now. You have his word right now. We have one another in the body of Christ right now. You have an inheritance, and that's what you're grateful for. And Paul didn't write this from some posh five-star hotel. Secondly, he says that we will be thankful for our deliverance. Verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Yeah, the will of God says, Crawford, look at what you have, not what you don't have. Look at the inheritance. Look at your deliverance. Your deliverance. We've been delivered and set free from the debilitating restraints of darkness into the liberating freedom of our Savior. That's what he's done for us. That's what he's done for us. We belong to his glorious kingdom. And then His swan song, verse 14, he says, in whom, meaning our savior, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for redemption. Redemption of necessity means forgiveness. All of our sins have been forgiven. And when we're in his will, now you can, be, you, can, you can appreciate these things without being in his will, but when we're in his will, we are sensitized to the loving kindness of God and salvation. We're sensitized to the severe, ostentatiously gracious gift of God through his son, the Lord Jesus So, to know the will of God experientially means that pride is pushed over here. Because the one that matters is all that matters. I think it's good for every Christian to go to at least two or three funerals every year. I'm serious, I'm serious. That ought to be part of your spiritual discipline. I mean that. I'm not joking. Because we're prone to wander, and this perspective gets a little jaded. We get a little full of ourselves, and we can't stand God's blessing and success. We think we did that. We just can't handle it. We can't handle it, and we need to be reminded, repeatedly reminded, of what matters most. So let me just ask you these two questions and I'll be done. I wanna get personal with you. How important is the will of God to you? Now I didn't say how important should it be to you. I'm asking the real question right now. How important is God's will to you? Do you think you determine effectiveness? Do you think that you determine significance? Do you think that you determine eternal value? Jack, you in for a bad, bad accident here. How important is God's will to you? And the second question I wanna ask is this. Are you doing what he wants you to do? Are you doing what he wants you to do? You gotta be careful as you raise your kids. I think it's okay to ask them what their dreams are, what they want to be, and this kind of thing, because that may be what God wants them to be. But you also need to raise them and understand, honey, that may not be what God wants you to be. Are you good with that? Are you good with that? Stop writing your plans in ink. Write them with pencil with a big eraser right next to it. Look, I, I, I wanna relieve a little bit of tension here because I do happen to believe that sometimes when you know, God doesn't have a speech impediment and so he's able to speak to our hearts and if you don't know what God wants you to do next, keep praying about it, but don't get in a fetal position, just keep doing what he last told you to do. That's not our problem. Our problem is sometimes that we, we're ignoring what He's telling us to do. Ask God to help us to listen well, to not make assumptions about Him, but to listen well. Because you never know, you lay down tonight and won't wake up. When you stand before Him, will you be able to say, I did what you told me to do? I don't mean that as a guilt thing, that's reality. Church. Do what matters most, live for what matters most. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, don't waste another second of your life. You were born for a relationship with him. You were born for love and forgiveness. You were born for hope and confidence. You were born for peace. You were born to know him. And all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin i turn from it and i give myself to you enjoy every bit of your life enjoy it but make god's will the driving force of everything in your life father thank you for your love and mercy and thank you for uh, your word god we pray in the name of your son that you'll help us help us oh god to be Fill to the brim with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that, so that we will experience godly character, so that we will experience supernatural resilience, so that we will be eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy, and that was the second half of his message, What Matters Most. Enjoy every part of your life, but make God's will the driving force of everything you do, an important point from today's teaching. We're in a new series called His Church, and we're finding some great challenge and encouragement from the Apostle Paul on living out the will of God internally and externally. We're so grateful for your emails. They help us know how God is using the broadcast each week. Randy emailed from Nebraska. He says, I want to thank you for living a legacy with Crawford Loretz. I can't wait for each weekend when it's aired on BOT Radio. The recent series on the Holy Spirit is the best on the subject that I've ever heard. And this passage from Colossians chapter 1 was a real blessing to me. Crawford explains the scriptures in a very understandable way. I will enjoy this new series and learn many things. Thank the Lord for Living a Legacy. From Sue, I'm very appreciative of each sermon I hear on Living a Legacy. I came forward at church at the age of five to the surprise of both our minister and my parents. I'm now 57 years old. I have had the immeasurable joy of knowing my Jesus all my life. Each sermon you give challenges me to surrender more, trust more, love more. Thank you for loving God's truth and His people. I hope God blesses you richly. Well, Randy and Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to email. So encouraging to hear from both of you. Now, how about you? How is God using the teaching of living a legacy to move you along in your walk with Christ? Here's our email address, legacyatmoody.edu, moody.edu. You can hear today's message again on our website, livingalegacy.org. Thanks for being with us today. For Dr. Crawford Loretz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.